0: You're listening to The Blind Stealing the Blinds, a podcast by students of the game for students of the game. Join Dylan and BJ in conversations about poker theory and bridging the gap between theory and application. We're all in this together. This week's topic, improving your mental game for better performance.
1: We're joined today with Sebastian drillet Potra. He was on the show a few weeks ago talking about becoming a professional poker player. Just as means of introduction, he's a professional poker player in Montreal. He is soon to expect his first baby any day now. This podcast is being recorded in middle September because Dell is out of pocket for October, so we're lining some shows up in the meantime. It may very well be the case that by the time we release this episode in October, you will officially be a father. So let me offer my congratulations already, preemptively. Thank you. Congrats. That's really exciting. That's really exciting.
0: Actually, baby could listen to the podcast.
1: Baby's first month listening to the podcast. <laughs> Our youngest subscriber. You have to set up an account and subscribe. What's your son's name? Axel. Axel. Have you gotten all the preparations ready?
0: Yeah, everything's ready. We're just excited and uh, waiting for it to happen. But first baby too. So everything's unexpected, but looking forward to it.
1: So I have to mention that in the United States, there is not that much parental leave given to employees. Maternity leave, in some places, there's more or less maternity leave. I know people that I work with, they had a baby, they took literally one week off and then came back to work. I'm not sure how it is in Canada, I'm also not sure how it is for a professional poker player. So what's your plan to take time off when Axel's born?
0: Basically, how it works is we have uh, one year for a parental. And uh, I don't know exactly, I think the mother is supposed to, is forced to take at least a month and the father is forced to take at least two weeks and everything else can be shared in between however they want to. So... We could do that, but since I'm a poker player, I don't have these benefits, so I'm just like taking the time off that I want. Probably take like uh, one or two months just to start to see how it goes and uh, how we can get this thing navigating and just see how much time off I have uh, during the week and stuff like that. No worries. Like, it's going to be a fun experience.
1: It'll be great. It'll be great. I'm floored. If this were a video podcast, you would have seen my jaw drop when you said <laughs> you had a year. Yeah. Your wife is required to take at least a month off, like forced vacation. You have to take this time off. That is not heard of in America. You're not forced <laughs> to take time. Well, unless, you're, unless you work for the government and you get furloughed, then you're forced to take time off. But that's a special, unique case. That's amazing. That makes me almost want to move to Canada.
0: <laughs> it's too late now. Are you expecting to have another child?
1: No, no, no. We're done. We're done.
0: So it's too late to move.
1: Yeah, yeah. So what we want to talk about today is mental game, the importance of your mental game in poker and different ways to exercise that skill set. I'm good at giving myself systems to prevent myself from wrecking myself. But once I go down that rabbit hole and I find myself all of a sudden tired, frustrated, tilted, what have you, I'm done. I am no longer capable of even following my own systems. So how is a systems guy supposed to follow his own systems when his mental game is in such a trashy state that it doesn't matter. So I'm hoping we're going to cover that. And I know you have a lot of experience because you've done a lot of work on your own mental game.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably important to know what your default status is. So like if you meditate before a session or stuff like that, then you know what your focus you want it to be like before you start. So you haven't like take as many uh, notes as you want on the stage, you're feeling right now. Like you're not too excited, you're not too impatient, and stuff like that. And if you can't call this mental state you're in before your session, it's going to be easier to access it from your memory when you're in game. And you want to go back to that mental state you were starting your session with instead of going down that slope that you were on, regardless of your system and stuff like that. So you want an anchor just to go back to this state so that you can rewind and just go back to playing your best.
1: That's the opposite perspective of what I think I've been taking. And that's a pretty interesting insight. My checklist, if you look at my checklist, every 30 minutes, I go through this checklist and my phone will remind me. I'll send myself a text and I'll ask myself these questions. Are you tired? Are you frustrated? Are you tilted? Basically, are you in any of these negative states you don't want to be in? What you're saying is keep in mind the positive states that you were in before you started your session. That way you can anchor yourself back on those positive states. Am I not too excitable? Am I relaxed? Am I focused? Not am I these bad things, but remember when you were these good things? Take a minute and get back to that state when you had all those good things going. So that's really interesting.
0: I still think these system is pretty good. Like It's good to ask yourself these negative questions just to see if you're off bad already. So, once you realize with your system that you're not playing your best game just because like you're affected by a bad beat or someone annoying to you or anything that's happening, maybe even from your life, like you got a call and it's just like distracting you, it's fine. These things are there to show you that you're not in the best mental game you can be at the moment, but you still need to get off the table and go back to that state. So, whatever has you, like if you can have the same song that you're listening to or meditation music or anything, the more things you have to lock in with your memory, the easier is gonna be to access it. So if it's only something that you stay in your head, it's not bad, but if you could say it with your head with the same song all the time, that's gonna make it more solid in your memory and just easier to access it again. Sometimes you can even hum the song just to get back to it when you're playing on the table too.
1: So we've jumped into the part of trying to exercise your mental game and get yourself back to a healthy state. I think we've jumped ahead a little bit and maybe we should talk a little bit more about why your mental game is important.
0: True. So basically, that's that's why poker is so hard. Everyone is just like studying and being the best they can be, but like it's so hard to keep playing your best for like 10 hour long or even 20 or four hour long because people like to put in super long sessions. I'm not a big fan of that, but I know some people are doing it and it's just at some point, even in the time it was like like a badge of honor to do like the longest session ever it's pretty dumb but uh yeah i agree it's good for the people around you (laughs) so yeah the mental game is really important just because there's already so much things to think about so if you're not even thinking properly to begin with or you're impatient or you have your mind on anything else at all your decision is going to be affected by it and you're going to bet it very soon
1: yeah we talked on previous episodes about developing solid ranges understanding why you bet when to bet how much to bet all these fundamentals And the reason we're trying to hammer out these fundamentals in our game is to free ourselves up for more cognitively demanding situations on those tricky turn and river spots when things come out of left field. And we really need to think about what we want to do, what our incentives are, what our opponents are doing, what they're thinking, you know, these next level conversations. If we're preoccupied in our own headspace with negative thoughts, we're consumed with thoughts about work, about maybe problematic relationships about a bad beat that we just had, we're going to be spending bandwidth dwelling on those topics and not leverage those resources at the game.
0: To make a poker decision, like you just have to make it yourself. Like you don't have to go to a board of people that have to agree with your decision or whatever. So you just have to do it. So if you're finding excuses to make any plays at all, like it's super easy to convince yourself just because like, You're bored, you're impatient, and it's just like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I saw something there, like, I know you wouldn't lie, so that's why I decided to treat that this time. You didn't see anything, like, you wanted to see something just to give yourself an excuse, and it's really easy to go down that road and just, like, basically play any hand or any spots just because, like, you feel like it.
1: If human beings excel at anything, it's our ability to rationalize poor decisions.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So you had mentioned meditation as a way of getting back to... That previous state, well first of all meditate to understand where you're currently at and then once you find yourself deviating from that, going down some negative path, getting tilted, getting preoccupied, getting tired, losing focus, whatever, meditating to regain that previous state. I did a quick Google search. On meditation, and I found these really weird, wacky topics like the seven types of meditation, or the six types of meditation, or even the twelve types of meditation. Everybody is dancing around this number of what types of meditation there are. There are clearly a ton of different ways to meditate. What does meditation mean for you, and what have you found works best for you?
0: For me, it's basically um, trying to erase every thoughts I could have in my head. Like right now, I'm going to play poker, so. I don't need anything else right at the moment. And if there's something else that needs my attention or anything, like I shouldn't be playing at the first time. For me, it's just like centering myself and just like focus on my decisions and just be patient, not really look at my phone and stuff like that. And sometimes I don't have time before a session. So sometimes I'll just go there and I know I'm not prepared and sit there and I'll just take a quick break to start just because like I need my meditation before going out swinging. Usually I do it at home before leaving, but sometimes like I'm in a rush or like there's not a good place in the house just to meditate and be uh, relaxing. So sometimes I'll just go over there and uh, usually the restroom does it for me. So that can work. Also the car can do it too. Find a spot that's good for you and just like take a few minutes. Like it doesn't take that long. Like the more you do it, the quicker it it is, at least for me to uh, Get back to the mental state that i want and uh, usually it's between 10 and 15 minutes uh, i'm there already and it's fine but also uh, sometimes as i'm on the table like it's easy to get and uh, get out trail. so i need some uh, readjustment during a session just to get back to it so it sounds
1: like for you meditation is a way of regaining presence just being in the moment yeah. and making sure that there aren't any distractions to prevent you from playing the best poker you can at any given time how did you find out which method of meditation worked for you for me meditating is painful because i can't clear my mind whenever i try to these thoughts invade i end up dwelling on the thoughts and it's counterproductive so i'm not exactly sure how to find the right way of meditation for me does that make sense
0: Sure, it does. I want to preface this by saying that I'm not a mental coach. So what I'm about to say is only my opinion and not something you should endorse or anything. But I've had help from a mental coach for years now. So I see her one to two week for the last almost five years now. So obviously, she helped a lot. We found out my preferred way of meditating and stuff like that. But I would think that your problem is that you're trying to meditate consciously, and what you want to access is your subconscious. So your consciousness is just like thinking about all kinds of stuff, and you're just like dwelling on those, like anything. Like it's not necessarily you're having problems or issues. It's just like thoughts popping up left and right, like what am I gonna eat tonight? Did I have a good night's sleep? Stuff like that. So it's just popping in your head, and you're focusing on this instead of just like breathing out and just like trying to make your head empty. Even if your thoughts are coming, like it's fine, keep relaxing and access your subconscious just so that he knows what to do. He knows how to get into that mental state and whatever thoughts you have on them. Maybe it takes you longer to meditate and gets to your A-game. Trust your subconscious to do the right thing and don't mind about the noise that your conscious being is doing at the moment with uh, these thoughts.
1: Okay, so if I'm trying to relax, I'm trying to clear my mind, these thoughts come across, just maybe acknowledge the thought try to let it go past, but don't dwell on it, and try to tap into the subconscious. I'll give that a try. So you were on the show previously, you know pretty much our standard format. We try to talk about problems, solutions, and tools. We already couched the problem of mental game. We need to have a solid mental game so that we can bring to bear as many of our cognitive resources as possible for those demanding spots, those tough decisions. That's why we have defaulted lines. That's why we make things easier for ourselves and being distracted, not being focused, Being tired, being tilted, only serves to thwart our ability to bring those cognitive resources to bear. We're talking about a potential solution here, and that's how to get your mental game in the best state possible. I already love the fact that I had a mind shift already, where you did mention it's helpful to realize when you're in a bad state or when you're getting to a bad state, when you're like driving to that bad state. But my checklist is in the negative. It's am I feeling all these negative emotions? Or these negative thoughts instead of remember when I was feeling all these positive thoughts before my session what can I do to get back to there I'm saying your mileage may vary other people might gravitate towards the negative checklist some people might say hey here's the positive checklist I need to get back to and the fact is each of our approaches to achieve that healthy mental state may differ but it sounds like we need to experiment we need to try new things And maybe even reach out to friends or reach out to mental coaches to help us along the way. How did you find someone to help you with your mental game?
0: Good question. She was a longtime friend, so that was easy to get introduced by her. She was playing poker before she was a mental coach. And uh, she was uh, coaching for uh, professional athletes, like uh, Olympic athletes and people doing uh, bodybuilding shows and stuff like that, aerobics. She was pretty studied in that nature at that point in time i had some things that were unclear in my life so we didn't necessarily tap into uh how to improve my poker but how to improve my life and that in turn helped my poker like tremendously and it was just like a very good fit so from that day on i never left her. i'm grateful for every session we have together Like there's always something to get better and just enhance in my life like i would never say that my life is perfect or that i haven't a- Covered already, but it's great to improve and uh, have better goals and stuff like that.
1: I love the part where you mention how getting better at life leads to getting better at poker. You mentioned how the mental game is not divorced between poker and life outside of poker, no. and that's a consistent theme that Dell and I have been revisiting on several podcasts now.
0: I totally agree with that. Improving your life will definitely improve your poker, just because like life touches so many things. So it's really infinite the amount of things you can improve. Uh, in your poker, just by improving your lifestyle. So some people will be uh, nutrition, exercise, stuff like that. Mental game is just so important as well. It's a muscle that we don't exercise as well.
1: You're right. You're right. And and we've at least in recent years we focused more on mental health and not so much on physical health. I mean, we still focus on physical health for the longest time. Mental health was just this undercurrent that no one talked about. But now people are talking about it and it's getting more attention. And I think it's the attention it rightly deserves. And so it's fascinating how improving your mental and physical health. We actually did an episode earlier about your health in poker refocused mostly on the physical aspects. I had talked about all the sleep issues I had and worked with Molly McLaughlin from Sleep as a Skill. And you're right, getting your nutrition, your exercise, your sleep, Getting that nailed down is going to transfer pretty strongly to your ability to perform at the poker table. So is exercising that mental game and that mental muscle that we, like you mentioned, we rarely ever focus on that. Are there one or two key things that change dramatically from working with your mental coach? Like if you could go back to yourself in time and see where you were and see where you are now, like what are some of the biggest differences you've seen from working on your mental game?
0: least resistance like i was probably a little bit resistant when i first uh talked to her and just like try to get stuff like i believed her but i wasn't really sure how good it was gonna impact on my life in my poker i wasn't as willing to let her lead me to wherever she wanted and i was just like let me see how it is but i'm not really sure that's for me i couldn't really see myself like meditating i had like a biased uh, vision of what this could be and uh, i couldn't see myself do it and I wasn't really sure if I could read from it. But that was a real surprise. And now it's uh, part of my life. I should drop her name too. Her name is Bridget, correct? So you drop her name before? Yes. So I should do that too.
1: If you send me the contact information, we'll reference it in the show notes. I resonated strongly with that. I have a strong bias against what I think meditation is. And like we mentioned before, how I struggle with it. And maybe it's because I'm locked into this one stereotype of meditation that just doesn't work for me i need to explore different ways of doing it how long did it take you to kind of like lose that resistance because i'm thinking to myself i'm in the same place you were i'm kind of biased against this i'm kind of resistant how long did it take you to finally say you know what i i'm trusting this
0: it wasn't too long for me because like the benefits already came quite quickly we started with my current relationship at a time which was my previous one and uh We digged up some uh, issues that I had that I wasn't really aware that I had. So it was really interesting just to be in line with my subconscious and what I was feeling underneath that I I knew I was feeling, but I couldn't really put words into it. So I realized how nasty that relationship was and now I needed to get it. So from that point on, like it was like I was reborn. I don't know. It really probably took like three sessions to really let go afterwards. So. And it's just only one hour session, so it's pretty quick.
1: That is pretty quick. But
0: um, for me, probably I dive deep down already to begin with. Like, I didn't really start slow or anything. I was just like, all right, let's try this and uh, see how it goes. And it was really interesting to have a... She was asking me questions, but like I said, it's like my conscious wasn't really there. It was just like listening in the back. And she was talking with my subconscious. It was really surprising to me, the answers that would come out of my mouth. Just like, wow, am I really feeling this? Like... It's so clear to me now that I am this, but I've been living in this relationship for years now. It didn't really occur to me that was like that miserable before.
1: I think it's fascinating how strongly emotions play in poker. We like to think emotions don't have a place in poker. It's a very logical game. There's a lot of stuff at the table that we think about consciously. And when we're trying to take the right actions, it seems very logical, very stepwise process. I'm going to do this. I expect them to do that. I will do this to counter whatever they do. It's almost like chess. It's very much formulaic in the way that we approach the solutions that we arrive at. It amazes me how much emotions actually do play, if not at the surface, not that far underneath. And this gets to the whole thing about being tilted and being aggravated, being frustrated. So our ability to process those emotions really impact our ability to play at our best. And I'm curious to see how far down this rabbit hole I could go. I definitely haven't pursued very many options in meditation. The ones that I have tried, I hate, so I don't do that anymore. I'm going to have to find something that works for me. We had a podcast previously where you were talking about how you divvy up your bankroll and your life roll, and you have these different bins where you put your finances in. Mm -hmm. So you have a pretty solid footing there. And I imagine having a solid footing financial-wise helps with the mental game. It's one less stressor.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And even like a bunch of losing sessions doesn't really affect your role or your life, your lifestyle. So that's like one thing less you have to worry about. Obviously, like it still sucks to lose session after session, but like if you try to zoom out from your results and you look at the red dots in your graph or anything, and you just look at the big picture, like you're still up like all kinds. So it's keep trusting the, the, the results that is going in the right way overall and just like As long as you make great decisions, like even though it won't happen every day, like you'll still manage.
1: That also has to be a big plus for your mental game. If you can focus on the process and not the results.
0: Yeah, so basically like most poker decisions like aren't black or white. So you won't exactly know uh, if you're good or if you're not. So these decisions are usually like, all right, I beat like 80% of his range. So that's an easy call for me. I'm getting the right odds and stuff like that. But I'm still like losing 20% of the time. When you lose, you can't really see it as, oh my God, it's so unlucky tonight or stuff like that. It's just part of the the actual result was supposed to be. I was supposed to lose that amount of time and just like the hand that he shows up with is what I thought he could have as well. And that was like the top of his range. Lucky for him to have it this time, but doesn't mean like my decision was wrong. So it was just like, all right, let's go to the next one.
1: I think that's one of the reasons I hate bad beat stories. Bad beat stories are rarely ever bad beat stories. If you get your aces cracked, it happens almost one out of every five times. Deal with it. It's life. But I think the reason I hate those bad beat stories is because it's a sign that people are dwelling on it. Mm -hmm. And if you're dwelling on it, you're wasting all that mental energy on something that's of really no consequence. You made the right decision. I'm going to shove aces pre-flop all day, every day. Yeah, I'm going to lose a bunch of them, Mm -hmm. but I'm also going to win a lot more than I'm going to lose. What purpose does it serve me to dwell on those losses, having known I made the right decisions? Okay, even though you said many of the decisions aren't clear-cut, I would say shoving aces all in preflop all day every day, pretty clear-cut.
0: Yeah, well, usually that's the thing about bad B stories. Usually they're clear-cut decisions. They're just like unlucky runouts, and that's the thing. But like we said at the start of this episode, it's like poker is life so yes aces got cracked by a hand and like there's nothing you could do about it so why are we talking about it like uh, i was also super unlucky that i got a red light when on my way over there like that's a bad beat but i didn't have any control over it i had to wait another two minutes and then like uh, my shoelaces broke down so i had to buy another lace and, like like life is like that we can dwell on all these things and complain about it but like where is the loss like nothing to do about it
1: right 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 now, we're getting to the point where your mental game isn't just at poker table. It's it's on and off the felt. So I can definitely see where improving your mental outlook in life in general is going to make you not only a better poker player, you're likely going to be happier. Mm-hmm. If you stop dwelling Absolutely. on these negative things that have no consequence. I love the fact that you were saying, oh, I had to stop at a red light. Woe is me. I had to wait for two whole minutes darn mm-hmm. or my shoelace broke i need to bite no these things happen all the time yeah life isn't fair okay i'm not going to say that a broken shoelace is fair or unfair things break down well i think this has been a great episode thank you very much for joining me do you have any other parting thoughts as we close out for for mental health in poker
0: if you can uh separate your emotions from these results in poker like, do the same in life. Like, do not dwell on the stupid things that's happening to you. Like, for sure, some things are sad. Dad. Like, I'm not saying uh, don't cry at all, but uh, don't dwell on the, like, the things you don't have any control over. It. So there, there are things in life that are sad. But you still need to keep your eye on the ball and uh, keep moving forward.
1: Excellent. Well, good luck to you moving forward with the birth of your son in the next month or so. Again, congrats this, this podcast might come out by the time that he's born. So maybe this will be baby's first podcast. That'd be fantastic.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. he will be our next guest. In
1: Thanks a lot. C-Bass. And until next week, spend some time exploring how you can improve your mental game.
0: This has been the blind stealing the blinds, a podcast by students of the game for students of the game. If you haven't already done so, consider subscribing. And when you're not counting your chips, take a moment to leave the guys a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get yours.